Welcome to Morning Soap. At Fusion Church, our desire is that every believer would not just attend church, but also hear from God daily through His Word. As we read the Bible, we begin to see how God responds to things. Doing daily devotions repatterns the way we think, transforms the spirit of our mind, and helps us become more like Jesus. Join us here, Monday through Friday, as various pastors and leaders at Fusion Church share devotion and teaching through that day's soap scripture. Download the current soap reading plan at fusionchurch.cc soap. So let's pray and then let's dive in to see what God has for us uh, today uh, in 2 Samuel um, chapter 1. Let's pray. Uh, Lord, we just love you so much. We thank you for all that you're doing in our hearts and our lives. Um, Lord, as we read your word today, as we come together uh, on this early morning, or uh, if you're listening at a, a different time on the podcast, Lord, as we've come in pressing into you, trusting you, uh, wanting to hear from you, wanting to focus on you uh, today, Lord, we just pray that um, your word speak to us, that your word brings out a revelation to us, that your word gives us a nugget to make us better and closer to you uh, today as we continue to always do. Uh, Lord, we love you. Lord, I surrender myself to you. May this word be your word, and may you also teach me as much as you're teaching everyone else. Um, In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. All right. Get that swig of coffee, get, um, or tea, or water, or hopefully you're not drinking Mountain Dew or anything crazy like that this morning, but (laughs) um, get, get what you got for the morning, and let's dive in. Um, I'm reading out of the uh, New Living Translation, 2 Samuel chapter 1. Uh, So after the death of Saul, David returned from his victory over the Amalekites and spent two days in Ziglag. On the third day, a man arrived from Saul's army camp. He had torn his clothes and put dirt on his head to show that he was in mourning. He fell to the ground before David in deep respect. Where have you come from? David asked. I escaped from the Israelite camp, the man replied. What happened? David demanded. Tell me how the battle went. The man replied, our entire army fled from the battle. Many of the men are dead, and Saul and his son, Jonathan, are also dead. How do you know Saul and Jonathan are dead? David demanded of the young man. The man answered, I happened to be on Mount uh, Gilboa. And there was Saul (laughs) leaning on his spear with the enemy and chariots and charioteers closing in on him. When he turned and saw me, he cried out for me to come to him. How can I help? I asked. He responded, who are you? I'm an Amalekite, I told him. Then he begged me, come over here and put me out of my misery for I'm in terrible pain and want to die. So I killed him, the Amalekite told David, for I knew he couldn't live. Then I told Then I took his crown and his armband and brought them here to you, my Lord. David and his men tore their clothes in sorrow when they uh, heard the news. They mourned and wept and fasted all day for Saul and his son, Jonathan, and for the Lord's army and the nation of Israel, because they had died by the sword that day. Then David said to the young man who had brought the news, where are you from? And he replied, I'm a foreigner and a man. An Amalekite who lives in your land. Why were you not afraid to kill the Lord's anointed one? David asked. Then David said to one of his men, Kill him. 
So <laughs> the man thrust his sword into the Amalekite and killed him. You have condemned yourself, David said, for you yourself confessed that you killed the Lord's anointed one. Verse 17, then David composed a funeral song for Saul and Jonathan, and he commanded that it be taught to the people of Judah. It is known as the song of the bow, and it is recorded in the book of Jeshua. Your pride and joy, O Lord, O Israel, lies dead in the hills. Oh, how the mighty heroes have fallen. Don't announce the news in Gath. Don't proclaim it in the streets of Ashkelon, where the daughters of the Philistines will rejoice and the pagans will laugh and triumph. O mountains of Gilboa, let there be no dew or rain upon you, nor fruitful fields producing offerings of grain. For there the shield of the mighty heroes was defiled. The shield of Saul will no longer be anointed with oil. The bow of Jonathan was powerful, and the sword of Saul did its mighty work. They shed the blood of their enemies and pierced the bodies of mighty heroes. How beloved and gracious were Saul and Jonathan. They were together in life and in death. They were swifter than eagles, stronger than lions. O women of Israel, weep for Saul, for he dressed you in luxurious scarlet clothing and garments decorated with gold. Oh, how the mighty heroes have fallen in battle. Jonathan lies dead on the hills. How I weep for you, my brother Jonathan. Oh, how much I loved you. And your love for me was deep, deeper than the love of a woman. Oh, how the mighty heroes have fallen, stripped of their weapons. They lie dead. The word of the Lord. So... We're, there's two main themes that I really that really jump out to me at least in this, and uh, one of them we're going to talk about honor, um, honoring uh, not just of people but of position. Uh, there's a big theme of honor that David uh, proclaims here, uh, and then there's a, a potential of that. Hey, have you put to death the things that? ultimately can kill you have you put to death the things in your life that could come back around and haunt you that could bite you um those sinful things as we you know as christians we are supposed to die to ourselves we do this in uh in representation and baptism right we're dying to ourselves uh and rising to new life in christ uh in the act of baptism uh, as a public testimony, but that's not only just a public testimony declaring that we are accepting and believing of Jesus, but um, we're supposed to do that on a daily. We're supposed to die to ourselves. Um, and so let me get into how all these two themes uh, kind of fit. One, we see a deep level of honor from David. He's, one creates this mourning song, this funeral song for Saul. And Jonathan, um, and he not only just creates it, but he also makes sure that Israel learns it. There's a level that um, there's so much honor, there's so much respect. There's uh, there's this understanding of the Lord has anointed Saul. Yeah, we had some severe disagreements. <laughs> we had some severe fighting. Um, homie tried to kill me. But I still 
go out with what I can do, and that's honor him. Again, honor that the Lord still chose him, even knowing how Saul was going to live out the rest of his days. That there's an honoring factor to that anointing that is that the Lord has chosen, and who are we to question? Yeah, and yeah, we can have judgments all day, and we can have questions, and we could say, man, how on earth could God have chosen this guy? Look what he did, uh, et cetera, et cetera. But yet, we're in a lot of those kind of speculations where we uh, question and speculate other people. Have we done the same to ourselves? How could, you know, you could say the same for yourself and others can say the same towards us in return. How could God choose you to do X, Y, Z? How could God do whatever? And so there's a level of David here is representing an immense amount of grace, an immense amount of forgiveness, and ultimately saying, I'm just going to choose honor over dishonor. I'm going to choose positive remembrance over pointing out Saul's demise and killing him over and over in the reminding memories of who he was. This not only speaks to the testament of who David is as a person and his character, but this also speaks to really, if you look at it, the heart of what the father does with us. There's too many things in all of our lives, including myself, and I look at myself and and go, how could it, the Father even honor me? How could the how could even to a point when if I sit there and really mull over my own sin and my own issues and my own uh, faults and my own uh, fleshly desires, how on earth could the Lord have imposed His image on this wretched body and person? But yet He did. And he did it with all of you as well. Regardless of what you've chosen to do, regardless of what was chosen to be done to you, regardless of further ramifications, either way, you bear the image of our Lord. And he showers us with grace every day. And he not only showers us with grace so that we can pick our head up and move forward, but he showers us with grace so that we can also share that grace with others. Grace in the form of honor, grace in the form of positivity, grace in the form of encouragement, grace in the form of also truth and telling our uh, brothers and sisters, you messed up, but I'm going to grab you by the hand and I'm going to lead you in a better way. But here at the death of Saul, when a lot of other people, and we've all been there, when somebody's died and they weren't the best of people, we've heard somebody say, well, good riddance. We've heard somebody say, well, the world's a better place without them. We've heard some of these snide and ugly comments about certain people that have gone away. And this could have been said about Saul. Good riddance, this guy won't be chasing me and trying to kill me anymore. Good riddance that his jealousy is not coming after me anymore. Good riddance that we don't have a king that is so infatuated with himself 
and and so jealous of others that it has uh, slided his way of thinking and how he operates in leadership. Good riddance, all of this uh, for Saul, but David doesn't do that. David honors him and honors him and his sons deeply. And that just leads to the character of who David truly is. Yeah, David wasn't perfect either. And we know some of the faults that are to come uh, if we know the story, the full story of David. Which is such a great uh, relatable character because he does fall and he does have issues and he does make uh, mistakes and whatever. But he but here at the core of who he is in the midst of mourning he chooses honor and how many of us have maybe go wow you know what i didn't choose honor in this scenario i chose bitterness i didn't choose honor in this scenario i i chose uh to be vengeful i chose to be gossiping against somebody i chose to uh, point out the faults instead of bring up the fact that this was a chosen, anointed man of God, regardless of his mistakes and regardless of how I feel about him. I'm choosing honor. There's also a level as he's choosing honor for the position in which he held. Regardless of who's in the position, he's choosing honor because of the position. Now, I don't want to get political, but it is kind of one of those things where it's the seat of the presidency, and I'm just trying to relate it to our current lifestyle. We have the seat, the office of president here in the United States, and guess what? Many of us did not choose the current president. Many of us also did not choose the last president. But regardless of who sits in the position, it's the honor of the position. Uh, a friend of mine, um, a good friend of mine, he was actually the first lieutenant that I had and uh, and led in the army, and he's now a Secret Service agent. Um, and we've had conversations every once in a while uh, about, you know, hey, well, you know, man, you disagree with this guy's policy, but you agree with this guy's policy, and back and forth, and you know, and but he goes, at the end of the day, I'm protecting the office, not the person. I'm protecting and honoring what that office should be, what that office needs to be, and what that office respects and demands as far as responsibility, honor, prestige, and ultimately sacrifice. It's uh, the seat that he's protecting, not necessarily the person in the seat. And there's a level that David is doing the same thing, but at a much higher level that this wasn't an elected official, but this was an elected official by God. This was, if you will, the elected or the anointed by the Lord, and he's honoring that position. And so what positions are we looking at? Yeah, we may not like the person. We may not like our boss. But the position that person is holding, that position, that look, that position in the organization, are we still maintaining a sense of honor? 
yeah, he or she may not be wielding that office or that um, position or the authority that is bestowed on that uh, to the best or not to our liking or whatever the case may be. Or maybe they are. Maybe you have a fantastic boss. Maybe you have one that is a great leader that cares and loves on you, that wants to promote you and wants to do great things. And maybe you have great boss. I think too often we kind of point to we don't like our boss, but there's there's a lot of great bosses as well out there. But it's are you still having a level of honor for the position? Because the lack of honor that you display also shows a lack of character more for you than it does the bitterness or the anger or the jealousy or the rage or the vengefulness or whatever adjective and verb you want to put towards it that you're showing negatively towards that position and that person. Showing a lack of honor really shows more about your character than it does on the other person. So, and uh, flipping the script now, there's the other point of, hey, wait a minute. Uh, how, what are you talking about this? Have we put to death things that could come back and bite us in our life? And so there's a, there's kind of a contention with this weird story of this Amalekite coming to David with the crown and the bracelets of Saul and saying that he killed him. Uh, one, this could be a huge lie. And so David, ultimately, in the midst of hearing treacherous and bad news, this could be a lie uh, because there's an issue here. Um, this Amalekite says he's the one that killed Saul, that he saw Saul hanging um, on his spear, basically run the spear through him. And he's just sitting there, but he's still alive and begging to to have his life ended, um, which that doesn't line up with literally yesterday uh, in 1 Samuel 31 in verse 5, it says, when his armor bearer, when Saul's armor bearer realized that Saul was dead, he fell on his own sword and died beside the king. So Saul, his three sons, his armor bearer and his troops all died together that same day. Nowhere in here are we hearing and seeing some crazy Amalekite coming up and going, oh, I'll, I'll put you out of your misery and finish off this slow death that's going on and help you out. That's not in the story. But then this guy comes up to David with this new story. And so if that's one, this could definitely be a giant lie. And this is more of a guy that um, ran across the dead bodies, and then this became uh, he, a situation where he was plundering from the dead bodies, realized this is the dead body of Saul and his uh, sons, and then for some reason comes to David thinking that, uh, oh, I'm going to do what the Jewish do is throw ashes over myself and, uh, and be in this physical state of mourning. Um, which is he's using a custom in his and hopefully in his benefit uh, to come humbly or maybe a false sense of humbleness uh, and coming to David and saying, oh, my gosh, I brought the I brought the crown and the bracelets of Saul to you. 
after his death because uh and he calls him his his lord we see like what what is going on here this guy is he trying to get some kind of crazy reward is he trying to get some kind of favor there seems to be maybe something else that's going on now if this is true if this is some kind of twist of um also how the full story played out uh or whatever if this seems to be a true uh story here's the issue is that also back in 1 Samuel 15 verses 2 and 3 the lord declares to Saul that you must kill all the amalekites all of them women children babies the whole shebangabang and then all of your animals too Cows, horses, sheep, mules, chickens, donkeys, whatever. All of it. Right? They need to go away, but Saul doesn't do it. He didn't kill all of them. He didn't listen to the word of the Lord 100% of the way. And if this is a true story, man, what a twist of fate that your disobedience came back around to bite you. That you were killed by one of the people you were commanded to get rid of and annihilate years before. That that slight bit of, it's not obedience, that little bit of disobedience snuck up and got you. And so... Yeah, this could be a false story, and there's definitely a level that um, I, I can definitely see where you come to that conclusion, that uh, the Amalekite is just trying to um, gather plunder, come up with a story, and see if he can gain some kind of favor with David, um, which didn't really work out, right? <laughs> David just said, I, I see through the crap, uh, kill him, uh, and and just got rid of that problem. But if this is a true story, if this really did happen this way, how many times are we not fully killing off the fleshly thing that God told us to get rid of? See, here's the problem is that uh, the Amalekites kind of, uh, they represent a lot and they represent a little bit of the uh, fleshly nature of us and uh, a carnal nature of us. Um, There's kind of a, kind of a cool list that I found in some of my studies here. Uh, David Gusick is, uh, I got to give him the notoriety for this. Um, it says, though the Bible does not specifically say it, Amalekite, the nation of Amalekite is commonly regarded as an illustration of our fleshly and carnal nature. Like our fleshly nature, Amalekite focuses its attack on the tired and weak, seen in Deuteronomy 25. 17 and 18 our fleshly does <clears throat> our fleshly nature uh amalekite does not fear god like our fleshly nature um god commanded a permanent state of war against amalekite found in exodus uh like our fleshly nature the battle against amalekite is only one in the context of prayer and seeking god exodus 17 like our fleshly nature, God promises to one day completely blot out the remembrance of Amalekite. Exodus 17. 
like our fleshly nature, Joshua wins the battle against Malachite. Like our fleshly nature, a Malachite was once first, but will one day be last. Was once first, but one day be last. That's definitely a story of us. Right now, and when we first came into this world, we, our flesh has been and will be first quite often. It's the first thing that we have to contend with in every situation. What does our flesh want to do? And then we have to come to a different conclusion a lot of times as Christ followers. We have to die to our flesh. We have to get rid of those things. What are those things that are still lingering there that God has told you to get rid of out of your life? Every remnant, get rid of it. It is going to bite you in the butt if you keep holding on to threads of it in your life. Maybe that thread is for comfort. Maybe that thread is just an act of straight up disobedience. Uh, Maybe that thread is, maybe it's even unknowing. And so Lord, help us see the threads of our life that, uh, of our fleshly desires that we need to kill today to further our walk with you. Going further, uh, the last one here is like our fleshly nature, Amalekite aligns itself with other enemies in battle against God's people. And that's definitely true. As we see in our lives, as we see in uh, whatever else, that there's parts of our um, fleshly nature, our fleshly lives that they'll come back and they won't just come back with what they are, but they join forces with other little uh, sinful things and they come back in, in a new way that looks different but it's really from the same root. It's from the same root. Have you truly pulled out all the roots? Or is there remnants left behind? I'm, uh, I'm trying to re-beautification, I guess, of uh, my grass <laughs> at my house here. And uh, last weekend spread a lot of new soil uh, on areas that didn't get um, sodded when I uh, when I moved into this new house. And uh, there's a lot of weeds. There's a lot of weeds. And so before throwing down the topsoil to grow new grass, to grow something uh, nice and pretty, um, you can't just throw that down over the uh, the weeds that are currently there. You got to rip them out as much as you can, or you're going to have a bigger problem later down the line. And so that was part of what I had to go through was making sure, man, I got to rip these weeds out. And if they and most often they would love to just break at the stem and leave the roots. And so weeds, oh man, they're nasty because those roots. They're good to go. They will just bud up and uh, create new leaves, and that crabgrass and everything else will just continue to spread and make it look ugly. And that's just like our lives. If we are not ripping the roots out, those nasty weeds 
will continue to want to come back up and get further into our lives? Have we fully pulled out the roots that God has told us to get rid of? Uh, I remember the uh, the last fight night that we had, I spoke at it and I talked about a, a hobby of mine. And this is where, hey, this isn't even a sinful thing. But I was so entwined in the hobby that I loved, which uh, um, was, uh, you know, building an aquarium. And it wasn't just any, it was a saltwater one and with coral and light and all. I mean, just the, the money, the equipment, the time. Uh, the resources, the energy, the mental focus, all of it that I dumped into it uh, was just not used in the way that God wanted me to go in my life. It was a distraction. It wasn't sinful, but it was a distraction. And yeah, it's easier to pick out the sinful things in our life, and we need to pull those out and get rid of that immediately. But is there anything that God has told you to get rid of God told me, get rid of this hobby. It is distracting you. It is not anything beneficial. It is putting you further in debt. It is putting you further in debt and time with your family and with what I have my purpose for you. Yeah, you can be in debt with time. You owe people time. But are we putting that towards something else? And so there's just this level of, have we killed everything? And there was a part where uh, I said, okay, I'm done with this guy. Like you, you, you're just convicting me even more. I need to put this hobby down. Um, I need to just get rid of everything. I got rid of most everything. And then there was still little bits or some stuff that I either just couldn't sell or whatever. And I shoved it into a closet and I said, I'm done. And I didn't focus on the hobby anymore, uh, paid off some stuff, used whatever I could sell. Great. And it was good. And got myself, you know, thank you, Dave Ramsey, all that kind of good stuff, right? Doing all the right thing, going through uh, school online, getting my master's, boom, boom, boom. And that interest back in the hobby came popping back up. And it was like, you know, I still got some stuff in the closet. I still got some stuff I can, I could go on a smaller scale. I could go back into the hobby a little bit, but on a smaller scale, maybe. And it was still the same amount of time. Didn't matter if the tank was 200 gallons or just 60 gallons. It, it still took a lot of time. It still took a lot of money. It still took a lot of uh, focus and energy towards it. I started going back into debt, not really financially, but time-wise, but time-wise, because I didn't get rid of the root. I kept some of it in the closet. Don't leave anything in the closet. Get rid of all of it. So it doesn't come back around to bite you. Because I thought, oh, well, I got a little bit in the closet. So that's less I have to pay for because I still have equipment I can use. Maybe this is a habit. Maybe this is a hobby. Maybe this is a sin. Maybe this is whatever it is that applies to you in your life. 
whatever it is, if you've got remnants in the closet, if you haven't pulled up all the roots, if you still have threads of whatever it is, whatever analogy you want to use out of this that applies to you, throw it out, get rid of it, sell it, burn it. I don't care. If God says to kill it all, kill it all. Don't let it come back and bite you. Don't let it come back and distract you and pull you away from what God has for you. So that's what I have for you today. So we have honoring. Honoring is more about your character than not honoring or whatever towards the other person. How can you be more honoring today? How can we look at not only the person, but the position that we can honor today a little bit better? And how can we grow in our character through that? And also, what is it that we need to get rid of? What are those roots? What are those threads? What are those things in the closet that we said, well, I'm, I'm done with it, but I have remnants in the closet still that I need to get rid of? And as we were talking about, since we have heart for the house this Saturday, get rid of those things in the closet. Get rid of those issues. Get rid of those problems. Maybe it's even a root of bitterness that's stopping you from honoring as well. That we need to get rid of and make room for God. Let's make room for God today. Let's make room for what God wants to do in our lives. So let's honor more and obey more. Let's pray. Father, we just, um, we love you and we thank you for your word. We just, we see just even in this uh, small scenario of David hearing of Saul and Jonathan's death and the honoring that he had, regardless of the feuding, the fighting, the literally Saul coming to absolutely kill him in a very real sense. He didn't choose bitterness. He didn't choose revenge. He didn't choose to slander his name. He didn't choose any of this. He chose honor. Honor for the fact that you chose him and anointed him for king. Honor for the fact that he is who he was. And honoring his legacy and his sons as well. Lord, may we honor more than we pull down. May we honor today a little bit more. May we just grow in our character, Lord. And God, will you just be in our hearts to open our hearts up so that we can find those areas that we can honor more instead of disgrace. And Father, whatever you've told us to get rid of, may we get rid of it. May we honor your word and be obedient to what you've told us to get rid of, to kill, to burn, to get, to just pull out the roots all the way out. Lord, we love you. We pray that you just be with us as we go about our day and go about further on and following you and getting closer to you every day. In Jesus Christ's name, I pray. Amen and amen. All right, everyone, have a great one. It is really cool to see you guys on Tuesday. Uh, have a great week. Can't wait. And all of you all that are in connect groups, what a great week to start out. Get pumped for your group. We had a great first men's class last night for freedom uh, that I had. So, uh, you know, hats off to all of us in starting that. 
and all of you that are starting your uh, Freedom, Soul Care, and all the other amazing Connect groups that are going on. Uh, Let's have a great semester. Love you all. Take care. God bless. See you next time.